podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Hello and welcome to the Daily Red, your lunchtime catch-up on all things Liverpool FC on a Monday after Liverpool shit themselves on the south coast and got pumped by Brighton and Hove Albion. What a way to start a podcast. But in news, Liverpool have been sold to Qatar, according to some fella on Twitter. So there's that to, to keep our minds occupied. I don't really know where to start here. I've got to be honest, folks. I'm looking at the Premier League table and we sit ninth. We sit ninth in the Premier League. Level and points with 10th place Chelsea. Ahead of them only on the basis that we've actually been able to score goals this season and they haven't. But we're ninth. And I was just talking to Guy just before we hit record about our downfall. And in 2019, we won the European Cup. We finished second in the league, one point behind City. And we were the best team in the world. We were. We were the best team in the world. Now, I know we won the league the following season and went on that insane run to begin the season, but I never felt that team was quite as good as the team the season before. For whatever reason, it just didn't feel as dominant in-game. I didn't feel as assured every single game that we were going to win, but we were still a top four team in Europe that season. Maybe top three, maybe top two. I felt we left the European Cup on the table that season due to our failures in the transfer market that summer after we won the European Cup where we spent four million. I felt we left the European Cup on the table the next season because I felt like if we'd strengthened properly, we could have gone and retained it. Then we don't do enough again. We get loads of injuries. We end up finishing third, go out of Europe in fairly weak fashion. And then last season we bounce back and obviously we come very close to immortality. We come very close to the quadruple. But again, last year's team didn't have that same feel, that same aura as the team in eighteen nineteen. This season, this team is unrecognisable. This is not the same group of players. 
but it is the same group of players. And that's the problem. It is the same group of players. Look at our team that won the European Cup. Look at the squad from the final and count how many are still here. That's not ideal. Squad has been allowed to get too old, too slow, too comfortable. I think they've believed their own hype a little bit too much. I think they think they're made men because they won a Champions League and a Premier League. I don't think there's that unending desire to win that is required to sustain greatness. I don't think our manager is ruthless enough when it comes to his players, when it comes to his staff. I think he's allowed things to get stale. And I said it on Twitter after the game. When Alex Ferguson felt like something was going stale, he would do two things. He would get rid of an influential player and he would make a change to his coaching staff. But Jürgen won't do those things. He won't do them. Jürgen's own words are that he'll never force somebody to leave who doesn't want to leave. And unfortunately, that's fine. If your aim is to just be good. If you want to be great, you can't be like that. If you want to be continually great, season after season after season, you can't act like that. That's why they didn't sustain the success in Dortmund. It's why we haven't sustained the success here. We're ninth in the league. And you look at that game on the weekend and I don't think you can blame Allison for any of the three goals. Trent's body language and actions for their third goal are embarrassing, genuinely embarrassing. If you haven't seen the clip, go to Henry Jackson's Twitter. See Henry Jackson 87. I think that's his handle. Go and go and look at Henry's Twitter feed. He's quote tweeted the clip. Somebody put it up, I think, on TikTok. And it's Trent stood on the edge of the box as the ball is thrown in towards Danny Welbeck. And when Welbeck flicks the ball up over Joe Gomez's head, there are not one but two Brighton players completely unmarked in the box that Welbeck could have slipped the ball to. And Trent is just standing on the edge of our box, almost with his hands on his hips. He had a poor game. Matip was awful again. Ibu was otherworldly first half. Absolutely otherworldly. But eventually he got dragged down by the rest. Andy Robertson was poor again. Thiago, I, I don't understand what we thought we were doing with him. We seemed to play him as a number 10, but not as a creative number 10 more to be a man-marking number 10, which was bizarre. And arguably one of the worst tactical decisions we've seen in a season of really bad tactical decisions from Jurgen Klopp. 
Alex Oxley chamberlain was a complete non-event in the game. Fabinho was left to do everything. And once again, he was unable. The captain was a disgrace. 12 seconds it took him to hoof the ball for the first time. Six hoofs, seven times run around like he wasn't there. 65% pass completion. And the only challenge he made was when he kicked Moises Caicedo well after the ball was gone. That was his first half. He should have been hooked. Mo was awful. Gakpo was pointless. Jurgen had a stinker. And why it took him 16 minutes from their second goal to make a change, I have no fucking idea. He looks to me like he's burned out. He looks to me like he's burnt out. And it looks to me like the players are no longer listening. Now, whether that's because they're burnt out or they're aware that he's burnt out or what, or he's just unable to get the message across anymore, whether whether it's not him that's actually giving the message, whether it's the, it's the coaching staff who are being trusted with passing that message on and they're failing, I don't know. But there are major problems right now. This is, this is by far the most difficult time Jurgen Klopp has faced as Liverpool manager. Because at least in the 2021 season, you could make excuses. Now, those excuses were weak excuses because the fact that we didn't have enough central defenders in the squad was his fault because he had neglected that position. But there's no excuses for this now because this is the squad he wanted. He has neglected the midfield area. And people can say, oh, but we've got injuries. Great. So did Brighton. We started eight of Jurgen's first choice 11. Brighton started eight of what would be their first choice 11. So there's no excuse. There's an article on, this is Anfield today, it's the lead article. Liverpool have a fight on their hands, but do they have the stomach for it? And the question also needs to be asked, does Jürgen have the stomach for it? Because when he had this type of fight in his hands at Dortmund, he decided that that was enough for him. Saw out the season and left. And you look back at that season, they end up finishing seventh. They get to the final of the German Cup. But he announced in what, like February, that he was leaving at the end of the season? And it wouldn't really be a huge surprise to me if this was his last season at Liverpool. Not that I wanted to be or anything, but it just wouldn't surprise me if that was the case. Now, things were much worse there than they are here. At one point, they were 18th. Bear in mind, 
there are only 18 teams in the Bundesliga. They spent one, two, three weeks 18th, one, two, three weeks as the uh, in 17th, and four weeks in 16th. So in the first 20 weeks of that season, Jurgen Klopp's team were in the bottom three for half of them. They did eventually turn things around in the second half of the season and having lost 11 games in the first 19, they lost only three in the last 15 and finished seventh. Never got higher than seventh after week three where they were fourth. And he decided that enough was enough. And he decided to leave. Then, like with us, they got through the Champions League group stage, but they went out to Juventus in the round of 16. Like I said, had that cup run, got to the final, lost to Wolfsburg. This was coming off a season where they'd finished second, And they just collapsed. Just completely collapsed. Season before that, second Champions League runners-up. Season before that, they'd won the Bundesliga and the Cup. Season before that, they'd won the Bundesliga. How quickly they fell off. And it was, in many ways, the same issue. He just kept too many of the same players just would not cut bait with them wouldn't move them on when it was clearly time to move them on players who were nowhere near the level that were required by 14-15 were still there because Jürgen is Jürgen and loyalty is massive to him Hopefully, hopefully, that defeat against Brighton is the straw that broke the camel's back. And hopefully that sparks something. Whether it's a massive blow up among the players that just gets any and all frustrations out, maybe lights a bit of a fire in them, and maybe gets them actually performing at a level which is acceptable for the jersey that they're honoured enough to be allowed to wear. But, I mean, the Brentford defeat should have done that, and it didn't. The awful performance against Wolves should have done that, and it didn't. No point in talking about buying anybody in this month because if we don't, it's on Jürgen. It's his decision. There, there was money to spend. Maybe there's not enough money now to get who he wants. But you can't tell me that if you put the money we spent on Gakpo into the current pot, there wouldn't be enough there to get whoever it is you want. Why did we spend $37 million on Cody Gakpo when we clearly needed a midfielder? 
in fact, we needed two midfielders before we needed a forward player. You don't spend your entire budget on a forward player just because you have a couple of short-term injuries. You just don't. And Manu Kone or Manuel Ugart or many others would have been available for that money. You could have bought two midfielders for what you paid for Gakpo. You could have bought Danilo, who's going to um, Forest for sixteen million, and Alcaraz, who went to Southampton for fourteen million, and had money left over. But no, no, no. Four players, it is. Perish the thought somebody's feelings get hurt and they have themselves a big tantrum and go run into their friends in the media again. Uh, this is Anfield. Lifeless Reds and change now imperative the last word on Liverpool 3. Sorry, <laughs> I wish. Brighton 3, Liverpool 0. Uh, Liverpool in big trouble with Brighton plan the definition of insanity. Manager genuinely believes Loney will play for Liverpool after late, late as assist. That's about Connor Bradley who's having a cracking loan spell. Liverpool youngsters win tournament. Joel Matip once played as a teenager. Uh, Liverpool at really low point, but can't feel sorry for ourselves. They're the, the words of our fearless captain who shot himself every time he had to make a tackle at the weekend. Forty six midfielders, forty six midfielders whose contracts expire in the next 18 months. Who could Liverpool target? Let's have a look at this. So these are contracts that expire in 2023. Yuri Tielemans. I, I, I'm a big fan of Yuri Tielemans, but he's, he's too slow. And he would just compound the issues that we currently have. Uh, Jorginho of Chelsea, no thank you. Thomas Lamar, I would take, but only if we were shifting to a 4-4-2. I think Thomas Lamar, as the backup to Luis Diaz on the left wing, would be really good. A very different type of player, give you a good alternative. And then you would have Darwin and Jota and Salah and Gakpo as your forward options. Darwin and Salah as the starters, Jota and Gakbo as the squad players. So I would take Thomas Lamar. Uh, and Golo Kante, I mean, I love him, but he's 32 soon and his legs are starting to go. And while he's got, you know, still plenty of ability, he's breaking down with injuries. So it'd be a no on him. Daichi Kamada, I do like, but. If we were still playing the way we used to play, him as a false nine type would be quite interesting. Conrad Lamer, he's a very good fit, but he is going to Bayern Munich. Adrian Rabio, if he had a different mother, I would say do it, but his mother is an absolute nightmare to deal with, so no. Ilke Gundigan's a wonderful player, but he's 32, soon to be 33. And just no, we need legs in midfield. Mahmoud Dahoud of Borussia Dortmund, who almost became the first signing, first big signing of the Jurgen Klopp era. Um, 
as a squad player, I mean, I wouldn't say no. Jefferson Lerman, no thanks. Maro Arambari, no thanks. Matthias Jensen, he's just not good enough for our level. Ilyas Skiri, he's decent, but no. Matthias Uribe, I mean, he'd at least kick people up in the air, so that'd be good. Manuel Lanzini's a no. Florian Grilich is a no. Good player, but injury prone. Mohamed Elmeni, no. Dennis Geiger, no. Danny Ceballos, definitely not. And Dalar Kuziev, no, you're all right, thanks. 2024, though, is interesting. Now, the first name here is Declan Rice. West Ham have an option to extend his contract until 2025, uh, and he's a no regardless. Uh, Mason Mount, you'd absolutely take at Liverpool. There's no question you take Mason Mount. Sergei Malinkovic-Savage, I love, but unless we had two players in midfield to do all of the running and we could let him go and be a more attacking, you know, almost number 10, I just don't see it. James Madison, the same really talented player, but he's a 10. Or you could play him on the right of a four, which could be quite interesting. But again, you'd need to have two um, really solid central midfielders who could cover a lot of ground and do all the the dirty work. Thomas Suchek, no thank you. Uh, Kovacic, he's 28 now, which means he'll be close to 30 then. So no, great player though. Zielinski, I, I do like, but again, he'll be near 30. Ruben Neves just doesn't fit. Like he's a tremendous player, but he's another one that doesn't, that can't run. He's slow. He's got all the passes you want, but like we don't play that brand of football. Now maybe we could, but I don't know. He wouldn't surprise me. Let's just say that because if somebody's making the decisions for Jurgen, then it wouldn't surprise me. Uh, Will Fendidi, a couple of years ago, he would have been a no-brainer, but he's always injured now, so no. Uh, Chalonaglu, no. Kranichakin, no. Julian Brand, no. Guido Rodriguez, if we were looking to bring in somebody now to just shake things up a bit, he wouldn't be a bad fit, but by then he'll be 30 and no. Loftus-Cheek, no. Amrabat, maybe. Yusuf Fafana, He's an awful World Cup, but he is a good player. Gibral Sow's decent. Condogbia, no. Cristante, no. Florian Newhouse, no. Ohin Santet, no. Or maybe, maybe. Koke, no. Philip Billing, no. Sander Burge. I mean, if he was your sixth midfielder, you'd be all right. But other than that, no. And Emre Chan, who, isn't he going to Benfica? I think he's going to Benfica. Um, I mean, Mason Mount is the only absolute yes. Because, like, if I take Kovacic now, but Chelsea wouldn't sell him to us. Uh, I think Zielinski at this point would be a bad move because I think he'd want massive money. Um, we can't have any more silly contracts on the books. We've already got one. Jurgen wants to hand out another. I'd take Amrabat. I would take, yeah, you take Amrabat, you take Fafana. Mount would be really interesting. In a three or on the right of a four, narrow, not a right winger, like narrow, tucked in, playing in the half space with 
the left winger holding the width and Mo playing in a front two, but drifting out onto the right side, a little bit like what Henri used to do on the other side when he played up front with Burkamp. Yeah, it's not great. Not a great list. But anyway, we move on. Our, our, our Qatari owners are going to buy everybody anyway, so it's fine. Uh, Jurgen Klopp already has a solution. No, he doesn't. Um, for Jurgen Klopp, replacement options named as Liverpool manager job safety update issued. Uh, I do hope this is. Um, I do hope this update is uh, Fabrizio Romano because that's as if the guy has any fucking clue what's going on. Uh, these aren't good times. Uh, yeah, the spoofer. Fabrizio Romano confirmed. He doesn't confirm anything. He hasn't got a clue what's going on, but everybody knows Klopp is not under threat. Everybody knows that. He's the most secure manager in world football. But the Express has named four options. Pochettino, not for me. Luis Enrique, definitely not. Thomas Tuchel, we'll come back to that. Stephen Gerrard is just laughable. Absolutely laughable. Thomas Tuchel is a European Cup winning manager, as is Louis Enrique. He's been sacked by Chelsea after playing some of the worst, from an aesthetic point of view, some of the worst looking football you'll ever see. But he's a really strange manager because his Dortmund team were the exact opposite. They played some of the best football you'll ever see. Dortmund under Tuchel were absolutely fantastic to watch. Chelsea under Tuchel were like... It was like pouring bleach into your eyes. It was dreadful. It was almost as bad as watching Everton now. So it would depend which Thomas Tuchel you got. But look, the, the, the obvious choice is Ruben Amaroum. He's the obvious choice to go and get. If Jürgen was to leave, Ruben Amram is the obvious choice to go and get. You pair him with a really good director of football and you'll have success. Especially if they have real money to spend. Uh, What else is on this today? Three players worth no more than 41 million. Let's picture Rabios. I'm just going to move past that. Jurgen Klopp lodges request with Liverpool owners as FSG priority takeover bid named. Uh, let's see. Liverpool transfer condition named. Um, oh, it's just about players that get loaned out. Jurgen Klopp has made a request of the owners for a new midfielder. That's according to Rudy Galetti. I mean, Rudy Galetti is another spoofer. He's another one like Romano and Jacobs and all these other idiots. They work for people like Give Me Sport and Caught Offside because no real outlet will touch them because they're morons. Uh, FSG takeover targeted as priority. Um, This is about the stuff from Qatar. So the Anfield talk... had an exclusive yesterday. This is where much of the the chatter came from. 
Qatar are giving priority to the acquisition of Liverpool Football Club and are seriously interested, but the deal is not complete at the present moment. We'll see in the next few days. So there's an account on Twitter called at Qatari, and it's this, this Qatari journalist. And there's there's varying degrees of belief in whether he's as well connected as he portrays. But he apparently is the one that's given this information to the Anfield talk. They've run with it. We'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. I did note, though, that Sam Wallace, writing in The Telegraph, said that a formal bid is expected in February. And that's very interesting. Because if there's going to be a formal bid, you would imagine there's been an informal bid and potentially the framework of something has been worked out and agreed on. But again, who knows? Now, there is the issue of PSG because Qatar already owned them. And um, to my knowledge, and I could be wrong, but to my knowledge, if Qatar were to buy Liverpool... They could go about it in one of two ways. They could either buy the club using a slightly different vehicle than the one that owns PSG, or they could buy the club using the same vehicle and then they would have about roughly 18 months to dispose of their ownership in PSG. Now, they could do that in a couple of different ways. Obviously, they could sell the club, or they could sell the club and just basically transfer to a different entity within their own organization. But yeah, I mean, I I don't know. Who knows? Who knows what's going on? But if you're asking me, am I willing to put aside my distaste for state ownership? Absolutely. Because how else are we going to compete? Can't compete anymore. This is what football's become. The Premier League is becoming an arms race. You've got the Saudis in Newcastle. You've got Abu Dhabi with Man City. If it's not us, it'll be United. And then we can say farewell to them as well because they'll take off from us. Todd Bowley has spent 500 million quid on players since taking over in May. We will get left behind. We will get left behind. And worse than the Qataris buying United would be the Qataris buying Spurs. Because United makes so much money anyway that even under a normal owner, they'd be fine. So a few new articles up on AnfieldIndex.com. as uh, a couple about Brighton. Give those a read. I have a piece that went up Saturday morning um, entitled Liverpool Must Address the Midfield Now, Risk Riding Off the Season. Uh, there is a couple of new podcasts. There is a Scouser Tommies, Tony Evans, Jim Boardman, and Jay Reed. There is Post Match Raw. There is the Nina Kowser Show. And there is a new Scouted that went up, I think, yesterday. So give all of those a listen. And that'll do me for today, folks. I'll see you all tomorrow. Bye-bye. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement, and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. 
The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.